Hey guys, welcome to Spirit Pig. This is the show that explores how to live a fulfilled life. I'm Duncan CJ, and today I'm talking to Sunita Patani. Sunita is a psychotherapist and author based in London who specialises in exploring the link between mind, body, spirit and emotional healing. Since childhood, she has been absolutely fascinated with science, spirituality, consciousness and the deeper question of who we really are. She explores this question from a multidisciplinary perspective and implements the findings within her therapy practice. Alongside this, she shares her message through writing, running workshops and speaking. She's a regular contributor to the Huffington Post, is the author of My Secret Affair with Chocolate Cake, The Emotional Eater's Guide to Breaking Free, and her latest book, The The Transcendent Mind, The Missing Piece of uh, an Emotional Well-Being. Thanks so much for being here, Sunita. Pleasure's all mine. (laughs) Uh, I mentioned it just then, just at the end, like your latest book, The Transcendent Mind, just to be clear, if anyone hears that phrase and is thinking, like, what on earth does that mean? Like, what, what is the transcendent mind? Transcendent mind, Duncan, is actually, um, you know what, before I tell you what the transcendent mind is, actually, let me just put it into context. Okay. So when I started practicing as a psychotherapist, um, I found that people were coming in and, you know, I was able to help some of them. And then there were people that were not, you know, not moving. And at first I thought, okay, well, maybe it's me, you know, new therapist, it could be that. Um, and then I thought, okay, but this is interesting because some of them are coming in and they've been to therapists before. So I thought, mm, okay, maybe. Then my next natural question was, well, maybe it's you. Do you really want to be here? You know, you're ready to move. And some of them weren't, but some of them were. So then I was like, okay, so what is it? You know, what is it that's not happening here? It's not going on. Um, so I started really reading around the subject. And more importantly, I started asking myself the question, who am I? You know, so that actually, if I don't know who I am at the core, and I'm not just talking psychology or the mind here, like, who are we? You know, what are we here to do? Um, that I'm not sure how much use I would actually be. Like, I, I felt that I could only take my clients as far as I'd been myself, if that makes sense, you know? So I started reading and came across A Course in Miracles, um, which had a really interesting concept in there, actually, that there was one unified mind and that we were all sort of, uh, which was split up into into individual minds, which was us. Um, And I thought, that's interesting. And then I read the Bhagavad Gita and same thing in that as well, that, you know, there's a supreme... Uh, one consciousness, um, you know, Brahman, and everything manifests from that. And me, being kind of logical, was like, okay, so where am I going to go to um, to validate this? So if this is true, that there really is one consciousness, you know, where can I go where there will be validation? So I started to actually look at near-death experiences. Um, and I, I noticed you had Dr. Penny Sartori on, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and um, that's right. And, you know, so I... I actually, she was one of the contributors to to the book. Um, And, you know, I started entertaining this idea that, oh, you know, consciousness, uh, we're not just the body, we're not possibly, well, we could be just the mind, it's how you define the mind. Um, But what was really interesting was this idea of unified consciousness, this one mind. And that is really what the transcendent mind is. So the transcendent mind is the unified mind that actually connects us all, you know. So we are both individual and unified at the same time you know, and as we start to integrate this dichotomy into our life, that is how I think, you know, real long lasting healing starts to take place. That's when. It's interesting because I mean, it's interesting there because that leads kind of onto this idea of 
you you kind of you felt that conventional traditional therapy just wasn't really it wasn't really all there it wasn't really cutting it like what what did you feel that was I know missing or <clears throat> you felt that it was often like I know just like a small bandage on a much bigger problem didn't you I think, yeah, I think that, you know, first of all, I think that traditional psychotherapy, and by traditional, I should really say, I'm talking about, you know, um, we're looking at just the person-centered approach or psychodynamic or behavioral approaches. And I, I used to think that they were quite sort of Newtonian in their approach. So, you know, what is the issue? Okay, how are we going to solve this? But actually... Cause and effect. You know, it's cause and effect, yeah. But, you know, if you really come to think about it, Duncan... How are we actually going to be able to heal ourselves or help somebody else to heal if we don't first understand who we are? So it, for me, anyway, you know, this is just a personal opinion. It wasn't enough for me just to understand that my mind was the conscious and the subconscious and we had memory and all these different parts. But it was actually, well, who am I? You know, am I a soul? And what does that mean? And what am I here for? Um, and I think that's what traditional psychotherapy um, is lacking really so and so you're trying to bring this whole holistic you're trying to like I mentioned that multidisciplinary so you're, you're trying to take what the best of all these different things and kind of bring it into one sort of unified whole is that right that's correct in fact what um, and I'm not sure whether you've read the book but what I've actually done is I've taken so findings from let's say near-death experiences the academic study that's been done over the you know the last few decades um, looking at the studies in parapsychology so I noticed you'd had uh, Dr. Gallenberger on as well Joe um, and of course you know all of the, the stuff to do with PK and, and all of that stuff and actually you know when we really look at this there is evidence to suggest um, that you know, the, these phenomena, parapsychological phenomena, is in fact um, valid and it's there. You know, there's a lot of experimental evidence to suggest that that's the case. And if that is the case, why are we not bringing that into therapy? Because the fact of the matter is, I get people coming into practice that have been through bereavement, but yet we won't talk about near-death experiences with them, you know, or that come in and they're lost and there's no sense of purpose, but we won't necessarily touch upon what are your spiritual beliefs. And I don't see how therapy can be well-rounded if we don't ask these questions. Yeah, it's, it's, you, you mentioned Joe. I mean, like, if, if anyone hadn't seen the previous interview, I mean, it's talking about psychokinesis and actually the power of our mind and how we can influence matter through non-physical ways. And, I mean, I, I must admit, like, coming into that interview, like, I was trying to be really open-minded, but I mean, I definitely had the sort of the sceptical side up, but it was just some of it, the, like the studies he was talking about was just completely just, I just you know, it was, just, it was crazy. Like, you know, I was, it completely, you know, I'm now just, I know it's just <laughs> drop the floodgates. Like what, what, everything I think I know, actually some of it is just completely just thrown out the water. So it's really, yeah, really new paradigm shift kind of on that one. It is, isn't it? It's mind-blowing stuff, you know. Um, and it is, you know, when you start to look at some of the parapsychological studies or the work done by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, for example, you will begin to see some pretty amazing studies, you know. And they do, they, they shift your paradigm. And that's my point exactly, that if you could have a paradigm shift, this is really what we need to be bringing into therapy. So people are having paradigm shifts, not necessarily just from a spiritual perspective, but also from a scientific or academic perspective, because obviously not all people are open to, you know, the spiritual side or the metaphysical side of things. So, yeah. yeah. You found that this concept of interconnectedness um, <clears throat> allowed many of your patients to really better understand their own purpose in life. What was that connection? How did that help their purpose in life? 
Okay, so if you're looking at the bigger picture, this is a very basic example. One of the um, common, let's say, issues that may come up is somebody can't move on because they're unable to forgive. Um, you know, so that would be one example. And so the way that this works is when they start to entertain or play around with the notion that we're all interconnected, that actually on some level we are all one. And I know that sounds like a bit of a cliche, but we're actually interconnected, that we are part of the transcendent mind as well as being individual. It gives them motivation to actually forgive because it puts things into a, a you know, um, a wider perspective, so to speak. Um, so I think that's one way uh, in which, you know, we can use the idea of interconnectedness. We all talk about creating a peaceful world and, you know, how are we going to better society? Well, unless we have the basic knowledge that there's evidence to su suggest we are interconnected, where is the motivation going to come from? So it's really looking at, you know, who we are and what that means for us and how that fits into the bigger picture of things. And when we, when we say like we're all interconnected, like... Um... If, 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 I'm, if I'm at home and I'm hearing that and I'm just thinking, like, what, like, what do you mean we're all interconnected? As in that's a bit like, you know, so is, is this, this is like what kind of quantum physics is actually pointing toward to, isn't it? This whole idea, you know, this is, there's, there's, there's science backing this up. There is. Um, and I have to be honest with you, in this particular book, I didn't touch much upon quantum physics. In fact, if you look at the book, the forward is actually done by um, Dr. Goswami, and he touches upon quite a lot of the quantum physics um, there. But, you know, when we're talking about interconnectedness, for example, you know, I'd be talking about things like... Um, uh, telepathy or, you know, intuition, when we have intuition and it turns out to be right. And looking at some of the experiments that have been done. So there have been experiments to show, for example, that if two people spend time together, um, meditate together, you know, they form a, a literally like a, a bond. And then you split them up into different places and you show one person you know, light flashes, and it registers in the other person's brain. I mean, I'm really simplifying that, but there are studies to show this. That's what I mean by interconnectedness. We are literally interconnected, you know. We can communicate aside from just our five physical senses. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, I, I, I mean, I just, yeah, like five years down, you know, if this is where sort of the... Um, the raising of like awareness now, like I, I don't even know like where it's going to be in the future. You know, just with the more studies and the more openness and the more like, I know I think it's, it's really exciting. Um, another a quote that I heard from you was, um, "We do not suffer because life is cruel. We suffer because we do not realize who we are." Is is that? Could you elaborate on that? Yeah, I think again it comes back to this idea that you know life is going to throw circumstances at us. And, you know, it's a very famous saying that when life throws you lemons, you make lemonade, you know. But to be able to make lemonade, it's, it's about recognizing that, okay, I can't control everything that comes into my life. What I can control are my responses. And again, it comes down to that basic point again, who am I, you know, a soul in my, uh, in my opinion, having a human experience. That opens me up to so many different possibilities, Duncan, of how I could go forth and actually solve different issues that I'm experiencing. So the more we know ourselves, the more in tune we are on a mind, body and spirit level, the more we're actually able to dance with life, so to speak, you know, play around with life and I guess make the most of it. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that it's... You can't, you can't focus on the mind or the spirit and then neglect the body or vice versa. You can't neglect one part of this. Why is looking after and healing our body just as important as our mind and spirit, for example? 
Well, you know, it's really about understanding that the body is, is, is the vehicle in which we experience everything. You know, if we didn't have the body, we wouldn't really be experiencing um, Earth as it is. So, you know, that's one of the reasons. And also, secondly, when you look at the little things like nutrition, well, it's a big thing, it's not a little thing, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Okay, when you look at nutrition, nutrition has an impact on your mind. There are certain foods that you're going to eat that will have a particular impact on your mind. So, I've worked with clients in the past, actually. This was a really interesting example. Um, I had somebody come in with extreme anxiety, and they had tried everything, been on medication. There was no psychological trigger. Everything was fine. Um, we kept a food diary, and this person found that by eliminating white rice, overnight the anxiety disappeared. So when we talk about, you know, it's about looking after the body, your body is also, it's not just, you know, quite often in this field of work, it's like your mind is everything, your mind controls everything. But, you know, your body is there as well. So we've got to, we've got to you know, pay attention to that too. So there you go. I think one of the, in, the, in the book, the, the body was um, one of these points. And you, you take the reader through the four elements of the transcendent, transcendent healing process. What are these four elements? So we have four elements. So the first element is really, first of all, understanding emotional wounding. Okay, so when we have a look at emotional wounding, it's really understanding why you do what you do. Where have your emotional wounds come from? Um, a vast, vast majority of people have some form of emotional wounding. I won't say all because I'm not sure whether it's all, but, you know, there may be some people walking the planet that are, you know, um, enlightened beings, so to speak. Um, but a vast majority of people have some form of emotional wounding. So the first is to actually understand how do I operate on a psychological level? Where does the wounding come from? Okay. The second element that I talk about is emotional healing. So it's really about understanding what emotional healing is. That, and you know, this one's an interesting one actually, Duncan, because quite often people come in and they have the idea that, okay, if I do this, I'm going to heal. But actually, you know, emotional healing can take time. It is not necessarily that it's going to happen overnight. It's a process that we go through. And I'm sure, um, you know, most people that are on this journey of personal development will say that, okay, I, I do this. And then it's like, everything seems fine. And then before you know it, it's like, whoa, I thought I cleared that and it's come up again. You know, So it's almost as if you know, healing happens in layers. And it's important to understand that, that it is quite often a case of two steps forward, one step backwards. It is a case of having the intention to allow, um, sorry, the intention to heal and then allowing the healing to happen as well. So They're separate things. So what, yeah. you've got to be like, right, I want to heal. Like you've got that intention, but then if you're not open, well, if you're not allowing it, like how do they differentiate those two things, the intention and the allowing? Right. So if we have a look at, let's just have a look at the concept of the transcendent mind, first of all. So the concept of the transcendent mind is that, um, you know, it's likened to an ocean that imagine the transcendent mind is an ocean and you take a droplet of that ocean, that would be us. So the droplet has all of the same qualities, all of the same, you know, form of what the ocean does. But I can take that droplet, go 500 miles somewhere. It's and it's separate, but yet it's still the ocean. Do you see what I'm saying? So when you look at the transcendent mind, us as individuals, we are the transcendent mind, but we're individual at the same time. Okay, so that's the starting point. We act, we, we act as a dichotomy. Now, when you look at healing, as individuals, it is our role to intend our healing. So we need to take the, 
the initial steps to healing. You know, we've got to have the intention. We've got to, you know, take the steps, look at our nutrition, look at it, you know, take the right steps. But then there comes a point where it's like we've actually got to step back and allow for the healing to happen. Because if we really come to think about it, all of the paradigm shifts that you've had, Duncan, you know, all of the aha moments that you've had, you couldn't tell me, and I couldn't tell you either, to be fair, exactly how they've come about, right? We, I couldn't tell you the exact process of how it's happened. I can, we see you've had them. How? I don't know. So there is this element, that transcendent element, you know, that goes beyond our current understanding of just our five senses that plays a part in the way that we heal. So intention is our part. And, you know, allowing is really sources part, the transcendent part, the God part, the, you know, the part of us that is much greater. And I think we need to have an understanding that both of those, those things are, are in play. That's really interesting. And did, um, I mean, I, I, I kind of cut you off like, sorry, halfway when you, I think you had, did you have two more things um, on, the, um, on the healing process, two more elements? That's right, yep. And element three was um, looking at the tools. So in the book, I cover seven tools. Now, what I will say is that this particular book is like an overview, okay? So it's, it's putting things in perspective, how the overall sort of healing process, what it looks like and, and, and what happens. So I've outlined seven tools that I think are... Um, you know, kind of essential to starting off the healing process. So that's element three. And then element four is looking at the role of nutrition. So really looking at, you know, what are you doing? Are you listening to your body and, and that sort of thing? So yeah, there are your four elements. Amazing. And what, so if, if, I mean, obviously you do like coaching stuff and you, you, um, you, you teach people, but if I'm at home, I'm listening to this, like, are there any sort of practical things I can sort of jump on right now like things that would suddenly turn it around like some of those what are kind of like some healing tools that I can maybe do at home okay so one of the things um and you could do this anywhere really one of the first places that I'd say start is looking at authenticity because I think this is so important quite a lot of the people that um walk into my clinic a lot of their issues are stemming from them not being authentic in the first place. And by authentic, what I mean is really listening to who you are, where your skills are, where your likes are, where your dislikes are, and really beginning to follow what's right for you in your heart. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, and it's interesting because, you know, people will come in sometimes and they're in a really bad way, Duncan, you know, like severe depression. Um, and a lot of it has stemmed from, well, actually, Sunita, years back, 20 years ago, I should have taken the decision of following my heart and doing the job. I should have done this. I should have done this. And what's happened over the years is it's like doing what they think is right from up here, but not necessarily listening to you know, what, what's in the heart. So I think one of the things is, and especially if you've got children as well, always, always encourage them to express their authenticity and their creativity, you know. Um, it's so important and it will really, really save a lot of, a lot of heartache in the future. So that's one of the things. Um, and the second basic tool, very, very basic, probably very underrated as well, is very simple, stopping, breathing, relaxing. Okay, stopping breathing, relaxing. It will stop the incessant voice that you have going on in the mind sometimes that can cause you a lot of suffering. You know, you could do this anywhere. It's 30 seconds. You know, if you're working, just pop into the loo and go into your stop, breathe, relax. You know, whatever, whatever it takes. You know, you just, it's little, little tools that will just really help to center and, and ground you. I love that. Simple. Three things stop, 
breathe, relax. <laughs> I can, yeah, we can all do that. <laughs> this is it. In fact, actually, Duncan, you know, if people are interested, um, on my website, I actually give away the tools chapter. All the tools are in there. Um, if they want to go and download it, they can do for free on the website. So, Fantastic. I'll, put, yeah. I'll, definitely, I'll put that below the, uh, below the interview. Brilliant. What, what would you say a fulfilled life means to you? A fulfilled life? Um, living authentically so there we go (laughs) you know following your heart getting the balance right looking after yourself when you look after yourself well I think you then want to do things for other people and you know you want to make a difference in society so I think fulfillment is authenticity and balance I would say fantastic and what is I think we we might we might have touched on it a second ago but you allowed another one what is one thing all our listeners can do today that will have a massive positive effect on their lives um, de- definitely stop, breathe, relax. And also start to love yourself. Really, really question, start to love yourself. So I've given, given you two there. <laughs> Perfect. And are there any books or resources which have changed or had a big impact on you? Yeah, I would definitely say A Course in Miracles. Um, a bit of a heavy read, um, but very, very good. Um, and also by... the ancients. Oh, that's a good question. Okay, it's by two psychological doctors uh, Helen, Helen Shookman, I think, and William Thetford, if I remember correct. Um, but actually, A Course in Miracles, it is a standalone book, and they do say in there that they've deliberately not put the authors on the front of the book because the oh, book really? is supposed to, yeah, it's supposed to stand alone. So if you look it up, you, you, you won't miss it. It's a big blue book. Perfect. I'll, put it, I'll, put, I'll definitely I'll put it in the notes anyway. Yeah. And how can people stay in touch, find out more about you and your work? Um, website's probably the best way, and that is www.sunita, that's S-U-N-I-T-A, Patani, P-A-T-T-A-N-I dot com. Thank you so, so much. It's been amazing talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually fantastic. And yeah, I'm going to put all those in the, uh, in the show notes and going to put, yeah, definitely get those little, uh, those seven pointers. Um, so that'd be incredible. Thank you so much for giving up your, uh, in what time is it? It's, um, you've got midday. So I think it's, it's a, it's a reasonable time for both of us today. Indeed. I often talk to people from like Australia or America and like somebody's at like six in the morning, somebody's at like two in the morning. So we've got, we've both got it easy. Lunchtime, lunchtime interview. Yep, we've still got half the day to go. <laughs> so it's all good. Thank you so much. It's been amazing talking to you. We'll catch up soon. Yeah.